Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. It's been another interesting year, 2020. Some people will love it, a lot of people will hate it because of the coronavirus and all the uncertainty, all the shutdowns in sports, and all the startups in sports. And I'm so glad to see everybody back playing again, albeit abbreviated schedules, and still so much uncertainty. But what is certain is that we are going to take a break. We will be back the week of the Masters, really excited about who's going to take home the green jacket. Will Tiger defend his title? Will we see a young kid, an upstart, somebody new, jump up to win at Augusta National? But we will come back on that Tuesday of Masters Week with some thoughts, some predictions, and more fun heading into our, I guess what would be our third season. So until then, stay healthy, be safe, wear your mask, be kind to each other, and play golf. Play lots of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. It's interesting when we talk about this explosion of new young talent in the world of golf. We've been talking most recently about Bryson DeChambeau and Matthew Wolf, their battle at the U.S. Open won by Bryson, and the way that Bryson has kind of drug a lot of us into this new perspective on how to play golf. I'm obviously an old dog, and trying to teach me new tricks is a difficult thing, but I understand exactly what he's saying. I come from the era and the generation of put the ball in the fairway no matter what. And Bryson's theory is, look, I'm going to hit this thing as far as I can off the tee. And if I'm in the fairway, great. If not, I'm in the rough. At least I've got a wedge or a shorter club to the green than I would if I laid back and put it in the fairway. His thinking is a wedge out of the rough is better than an eight iron out of the fairway. Again, for me, an old guy, that's, that's just so opposite of my thinking in the way that I grew up. When I was growing up watching golf on TV with my dad, it was very limited access. It was CBS Golf Classic and Shell's Wonderful World of Golf. And whenever you actually had a chance to listen to Jack or Arnold or Gary or Sam Snead or Ben Hogan or any of the great players, Gene Sarazen, talk about golf and how they approached it. It was make a smooth swing off the tee, put the ball in fairway, then you can attack the flag. Well, Bryson DeChambeau and Matthew Wolf they're changing the way that we look at it. I read actually this week that Rory McIlroy is thinking about possibly looking at the game or changing the way that he plays and the way that he approaches. I find that hard to believe, but we we'll see. We'll watch to see what Rory does the rest of the year with the Masters coming up and also how he attacks next year. But back to my point, with this explosion of new young talent, it's hard for us to forget or let go of the veterans. We know what has happened with Tiger when he won the Masters last year, and now he's looking to defend his title coming up in November. 
But one player that we know so well, but we've been reading about recently because of his antics on the golf course, is Sergio Garcia. I, I met Sergio when he was 18 years old, 19 years old, and he came over and he joined the PGA Tour. And I've gotten to know his mom and dad, his entire family. I know his wife, Angela. She used to be with Golf Channel. She's a, she's a great on-air talent, a great on-air analyst. But when she and Sergio got married, she gave that up, and they now have two beautiful kids. So it's always hurt me when I watch Sergio or I read about Sergio throwing these temper tantrums and getting fined mostly in Europe for, I think he had a couple of problems over there, but I really like Sergio. I think he's good for the game, but he's passionate about the game. Sergio and I always talk about our great friend Sevi Ballesteros and how he inspired an entire generation in Europe and really around the world. And Sergio loves to hear me tell stories about playing and practicing with with Sevi. So I've I've got great affection for Sergio. So imagine how excited I was to watch Sergio win last week at the Sanderson Farms Championship and to see him display the ball striking that we know him to be able to do. He's always been one of the best drivers and best iron players in the game. I, I love his golf swing. When he first came out on tour, I remember I played practice rounds with him and my teacher, Jim Hardy, would walk with us and Sergio's father, Victor, would walk with us as well. And Victor used to tell us how everybody, all the experts in the game, wanted to change Sergio's swing. And my teacher, Jim Hardy, would say to Victor, don't you ever let anybody change Sergio's swing for two reasons. Number one, it's his swing. It's what he does naturally under pressure, under the gun, which is you have to trust your instincts under pressure, number one. And number two... Jim loved the way that Sergio dropped the club into the slot coming down. And if you go on YouTube and you look at pictures of Sergio's swing, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But coming down the stretch at Sanderson Farms, two of the last, I think, four or five holes, he hit a beautiful five-wood in close to make eagle to join Peter Malnati back at the lead. And then on 18, there were only five birdies all day on the 18th at the tournament. And he stands up and he rips the drive down the middle and he hits an eight iron to about two feet and he knocks it into wind by one shot. Now, as impressive as all that was, I knew Sergio can, could do that. I knew that he hits the golf balls beautifully and as, 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 as solidly as anybody in the world. But that wasn't the story last week. The story was that Sergio putted all week long with his eyes closed. Now, that may surprise some of you to hear that a world-class player like Sergio Garcia putts with his eyes closed. It wasn't a surprise to me, and let me explain why. When I was on tour, I was considered to be a decent ball striker, probably the strength of my game, but my putting was always streaky. I was either really good or, or really bad. I would putt well, I would win. If I didn't putt well, I'd miss cuts and really struggle with my game. So, my buddy Chuck Hogan, who helped me so much during my time on tour with my mental game, he said to me one time, have you ever thought about putting with your eyes closed? And I thought he was crazy, but I tried it. And what's amazing about doing that is that when you're putting with your eyes open, we sometimes get focused on the rhythm of our stroke. Is the club inside going away? 
Is it straight back? Is it outside? We worry about our arc of our putting stroke, or is it straight back or straight through? And I'm no different. I do the same thing. I worry about what my stroke looks like, and is it on the proper path? When you close your eyes, you immediately forget that. You put your focus on letting your hands and arms and club swing naturally. It's the same thing as when Ricky Fowler, when he putts, he lifts the putter off the ground about a half of an inch, and that allows his hands and arms to stroke the putter freely. Sometimes when we stand over a putt and we ground the putter on the green, we will lean on our putter, and then that causes a very a very herky-jerky, or it can cause a problem when you take the putter away because you're leaning on it. So in watching Ricky Fowler and my contemporary Don Pooley did that. Don Pooley was one of the best putters I'd ever seen, ever played with. When I watch Fowler now, the way that he puts by lifting it off the ground, it's 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 one of the best strokes in the world. So I think when Sergio started putting with his eyes closed, I think he had the same feeling as I did. All of a sudden, you're focused only on the the weight of the putter in your hands and where the club is in your stroke as it makes contact with the ball. In fact, close your eyes right now and try to simulate a putter in your hand. The last thing you're going to think about is where the putter is behind the ball or where the ball is. When your eyes are open and you're putting, you can see the toes of both of your shoes. You can see the grass on the green. You can see the imperfections in the putting surface. Then that can distract you. In fact, here's a funny story. I had a chance to win Greensboro years ago, and I was playing the last round with Davis Love III and Brad Faxon. And what I was doing to distract myself from any of the distractions around me, I would focus on closing my eyes on the backswing, and then when I got to the top of my backswing, I would open my eyes. Then the next putt, I would open my eyes on the backstroke and then close it coming through. In fact, one of the times I've done this in my career, I blink my eyes while I stroke. Now, what does that do for you? It takes your conscious thought off of your stroke, your arc, your path, your tempo, and it puts it on the thought that I have to blink my eyes, kind of like a strobe light, on, off, on, off, on, off. And that works for me. And I think it would work for you. So if you're struggling with your putting, try the Sergio method, which has been done many times before. Close your eyes right before you get ready to hit it. Close your eyes and make your stroke. Start from a foot, then go to two feet, then move back all the way to 10 feet. I think you're going to see how much better your putting and how much better your contact is and how much better you roll it. So Sergio... He kind of reached back into something that's been done in the past and it worked for him and that led him to his 11th win on the PGA Tour and kind of resurrected the 40-year-old's career. Still hard for me to believe that he's 40 when I met him when he first came over at about 18. I just That just goes to show you, time marches on. You've been here before
golfers, we've learned to make whatever club is in our hands work. And that's going to make you change your swing to fit the club. You don't want that. You want your club to fit your swing. How many of us have received a driver or a wedge as a gift? And it's so cool. It's shiny. It's new. We throw it right in our bag. And you drive it poorly or your wedges are bad. But you're eventually going to make it work because you're an athlete. You understand golf. You know how to make a golf swing. So you make it work. That's the wrong way to approach it. That's why whenever I need to get fit, I go down and visit my friends at Cool Clubs. Justin Nelson and Mark Timms have built an incredible set of clubs for me for the last 20 years. And that's been really the key to my success is making sure that my clubs fit my swing. They've got 12 locations around the country. I highly recommend Cool Clubs if you love golf as much as I do or as much as I think you do, you need cool clubs. That's coolclubs.com. Log on, find a location near you, and get over there and get fit with the proper set of clubs. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. They're rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in All right, I just flew to Scottsdale. I'm down here with Justin Nelson, who is a master fitter for cool clubs here in Scottsdale. You've been working on my clubs for probably eight to 10 years. Why don't you tell everybody why we're here and what do you do for hackers like me? <laughs> uh, the reason we're here is we're trying to get you the best possible thing we can for head shaft combination. If anything, we want to try and pick up some distance. Um, so we're going to try some stuff and See where it leads us. You just had John Cook in. John Cook's in my age group. And Matt Kuchar's coming in next week. Now, when you're working with old guys like me who's lost swing speed and lost flexibility, it's different than working with somebody like Kuchar or even a young guy who's still got speed. But you use track men and basically the numbers don't lie. They don't. And it's, you know, for someone like you where we're trying to pick up speed and, you know, take care. it's taking advantage of technology. You work with so many different people, not only tour pros, but beginning players, women, juniors, seniors, and that's really all you're trying to do is fit them like they go in and get a fit for a tuxedo for a for a wedding. Exactly. I mean, it's just because one works for someone doesn't mean it works for everybody. So it's getting the best head shaft combination for Peter. So the reason I'm here is because Father Time may be undefeated in a lot of areas, but I'm expecting you, because I've heard a lot of great things about you over the years. I'm expecting you to have that magic pill to get me that extra 20 or 25 <laughs> yards. Can you do that? We're going to work on it today. <laughs> uh, no promises. All right, Justin. Thank you. Let's go to work. We all know it. We all know it. We all know it. As Bryson DeChambeau is slowly changing our perception of how we play the game of golf, it's hard for me at 66 years old to change along with him, but I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to swing harder and hit it farther. But the most important thing I can do, and I believe you can do as well, is to have the proper equipment in your bag. You've got to be properly fit. If you're going to go be in your best friend's wedding, you go get fit for a tuxedo. If it's not 
properly fit, you're going to be uncomfortable the entire ceremony. When you go buy a new pair of slacks or a new pair of shoes, you make sure it's the right size. Well, the same thing exists in golf equipment. Now, for the past 20 years, I've been working with a company called Cool Clubs, started by a good friend of mine, Mark Timms. They've been helping me get fit with my clubs for such a long time that I trust them completely. So last week, I flew down to Scottsdale and worked with master fitter Justin Nelson at Cool Clubs to work on my game. I hadn't been down there in three years. I, I slapped myself because I've been very lazy and delinquent in keeping up with, my, with the fitting of my clubs. As you get older, you lose your speed, you lose your strength. So I think it's more important for you past the age of 50 to make sure you stay up to date with your equipment. Well, I go down there and turns out I've got the wrong shafts in every club in my bag. So I'm getting a new set of clubs thanks to my very good friend Brent Newsom at Cleveland Strixon. He is sending a new set of heads over to be built. I've got a new driver, three wood, hybrid, irons, wedges, everything being rebuilt. And not surprisingly, it's a little softer shaft. It's, it's a little lighter shaft. But I could tell that my golf ball was falling out of the sky. It, it's going to go shorter naturally because I'm older. But I want to maintain the proper spin off the blade. I want to maintain the proper trajectory. And I want to maintain the ability to stop the ball on the green when I hit a solid shot. So I'm excited to get my new clubs hopefully sometime this week. These guys are going to rush it through for me because I plan on playing in a couple of weeks at a, at a Champions Tour event. So for me, I, I, I just can't, I can't impress upon you enough how important it is especially as you get older, to make sure that your clubs fit you. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it up, it's no time to melt down. It's a jungle in here, and we all know. You know, I've been a pretty good ball striker my whole career, and I think one of the strengths of my game has been my driving. I've been pretty good off the tee. I hit a lot of fairways. But I always know that my first drive of the day is going to be a good one in comfort, luxury, and in style because I'm going to and from the golf course in my Lexus GX460. I've been a brand ambassador of Lexus now for over 30 years, and in my opinion, it's the best vehicle on the road today. Now, I may have had a few body parts replaced over the years, but that's just in my 65-year-old body. My Lexus needs nothing but routine maintenance, and that's just the way I like it. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. They're rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. This week, the tour moves to Las Vegas. And then also again next week in Las Vegas. This week it's the Shriners Children's Hospital event at TPC Summerlin. And then next week they move to Shadow Creek, the CJ Cup. It was supposed to be over in China, but they moved it to Shadow Creek in Las Vegas. So two weeks in a row in Vegas. 
you know those boys are going to be having a great time down there at those two events. The next week, they go to one of my favorite courses just outside of L.A., Sherwood Country Club for the Zozo Championship, which is, uh, again, two weeks in Vegas and then a week in L.A. How cool is that? Then the tour moves down to Bermuda to the Port Royal Club, which is an awesome place. Then back to Houston for the resurrected Houston Open and then the Masters. Hard to think of a major championship in November, let alone the Masters, as we're always used to having it in April. But we're going to see Tiger Woods trying to defend that title. And I give all the credit in the world. People ask me all the time, is Tiger doing the right thing by taking so much time off? I say yes. The only thing Tiger can do now to improve his the way we look at his career is to win more majors. He's won more tournaments than anybody in the world. He's tied Sam Snead, I think at 82 or 83 tour wins. His record is ridiculously great. He and Jack probably are considered 1A and 1B as the greatest players in the history of the game. So the only thing Tiger can do now is add to his major championship resume. He's won 15, Jack's won 18. In fact, if Tiger played nothing but majors the rest of his career, I wouldn't blame him. He wants to gear up to win the Masters. He wants to win the Masters, the U.S. Open, the PGA, or the Open Championship again. And I know he wants to break Jack's record of 18. Do I think he can do it? Well, the older he gets, I think he's 44 now. It's going to be very difficult. Jack won his last major at the Masters when he was 46. So there is a chance. I would never count Tiger Woods out. After all that he's done, all that he's been through, the shape that he's in. I'm a golf fan just like you. I love to watch Tiger play, and I think it's exciting to see what he's been doing, trying to add to that major championship resume, and I can't wait to watch the Masters in November. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours? Yeah.